expand your mind and enrich your world. It's time for another outstanding podcast from ICRT. Hey, podcast listeners, Keith here. Today, we're bringing you another live on-air interview that broadcast Wednesday, September 30th during the morning show with Terry Ingle. We're going to be talking to British Chamber of Commerce Executive Director Stephen Parker about what it takes to make it past that intimidating interview process and land your dream job in Taiwan. And luckily, Steve has a pretty decent sense of humor, so the conversation is more fun than I'm making it sound right now. Here's Steve Parker on The Morning Show with Terry Engel. George Harrison there got my mind set on you. Nine past ten. Time for us to uh, get into the morning show extended interview for this week. And uh, in part, we bring in Keith. Keith, what do we got going on this week? Well, uh, this morning we are talking to a Mr. Stephen Parker. He is the executive director of the British Chamber of Commerce in Taipei. He also formerly directed the Community Services Center and has led a number of international corporate projects in Taiwan and elsewhere. So we're talking about Indonesia, Malaysia, Singapore. Uh, so he's had just about every job under the sun and every country under the sun. So he is <laughs> the perfect guy to uh, lead this conversation, kind of give a focal point to this conversation, to how do you go about getting hooked into this international corporate job world? What's the best way to approach it? Also, I saw something uh, in your resume, in your bio, that I just want to confirm with you uh, real quick. Is it or is it not true that you were voted the sexiest man alive in a people poll in 1987? i, I got to correct you, Keith. It was actually 1986. 1986. Yeah, sometimes they get that wrong on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Glad I got that cleared up. Um, first, first lesson, things not to put on your resume, I think, or things to include on your resume. Is that what that is? You know, it's, it's a funny, it's a little known fact. Well, it's not little known, but everybody who actually employs people knows that there are, you might get 40, 50, 60, 70 resumes for a single job. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you look at them and there's literally only three that could do the job. So what I never understood about this is that why people, and I don't want to be brutal here, I just want to be kind of honest about this, is I'm, I'm not sure why some people apply for the jobs they apply for. Mm -hmm. So if you, to me, I think one of the first things if you're going to do a job is have a good look at yourself, have a good look at the job, look at the criteria, and then, you know, try to match them up. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so when you, uh, on your resume, when it says the sexiest man alive, that uh, pretty much qualifies you for any job. You know, basically, I can go to Hollywood, I could, uh, yeah, I right, could take right, up right, modeling, right. all that kind of stuff. Right, right. Uh, Steve, You're moving on very quickly. I <laughs> <laughs> no, this is the interview. This yeah, is the it is radio, right right so we can get away with that. Let's, let's just kind of begin the discussion here. Um, what kind of opportunities are available in the international community and kind of answer that in part A and part B, meaning uh, A, here in Taiwan, what jobs are available, what types of opportunities are available with multinational companies, and uh, think about abroad, think about overseas, um, what types of and what trends are there in terms of multinational companies? What jobs are they looking for? Obviously, there's uh, things like um, uh, 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 an insurgence of social media, you know, people that they need and things like that. What, what are some of the trends? I, for me, I really think one of the biggest trends at the moment is people who are multi-skilled. I mean, I, as an employer myself, I'm looking for people who can come into a place and, uh, all right, maybe they're job salesmen. But I think companies now actually want people who can do a whole bunch of stuff mm -hmm. outside of just purely the job function or job role. They want somebody who can actually contribute 
to the company in many different ways. Yeah. And I, I recently, I mean, obviously I've worked in NGOs quite a bit, and recently I've been dealing with uh, social enterprise. And this, I think, is a future trend in Taiwan. It's where you're running businesses, doing things, but you have a social purpose behind them. And I don't want to derail the conversation and take it all off into an NGO area here. But this is a growth area for Taiwan because uh, the government's behind it. Um, we have some unemployment issues here. Um, but generally around the world, this is the biggest growing sector of, uh, of industry. Um, and what that requires is it requires people who are multi-skilled. You know, you've got to be able to do a little bit of social media, a little bit of sales, a little bit of uh, fundraising, a little bit of negotiation, all this kind of stuff. So I think companies as a whole are looking for people who are multi-skilled with a lot of experience. And even doing that, I think, gives you a lot of opportunities in the big international companies, even if you've done something small. But if you've done a lot of different things mm -hmm. inside that company, no matter what the company was, no matter what they were selling, no matter what they were doing, I think that bodes well for your chances in, in any company whether it be international or local mm -hmm. so, so so what i hear when i when, when you say that what i hear is kind of the 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 really deep understandings that you get from a college degree like an engineering certificate something like that i mean those things matter but it almost matters more to just bump around and take as many opportunities within the job that you have you know because twitter skills i mean they don't that doesn't take a degree to pick up uh, a lot of these marketing skills it just takes common sense and doing it a couple times exactly and if i can just add to what keith is saying here which is that uh there is so much focus on education especially here in taiwan uh is is that what you know the companies that are here in taiwan are looking for are people with sort of undocumented twitter skills which is, which is <laughs> kind of what you're what you're alluding to anyway sounds like those skills are jumping the border yeah I would just like to say to all the parents out there <laughs> that I am not saying <laughs> that you shouldn't go to school. Right, right, right. I am right. not saying that you shouldn't go to university. I mean, I worked for the University of Cambridge um, for eight years. I believe in education. I think education mm -hmm. is very, very, very important. And, and as an employer, I would look for a, a good, solid education. What I would say is that when I'm looking at people for a job, I don't look at whether they were the top of their class back in 1994. Mm -hmm. What I'm looking at, okay, you got a degree, great. What have you done since then? Right, what have you done with it? Yeah. Exactly, you know? And if someone can demonstrate to me that they've got some great skills along a range of different things, um, I'm going to be excited by that, you know? Mm -hmm. If they've, okay, maybe when they're at school they were also the head of whatever society or they were in whatever team it was, they played sport or they uh, worked part-time at uh, any number of organizations. And I'm not going to mention specific names on air unless they pay me. <laughs> but, but, you know, if, if you've done some part-time work somewhere or you've, you know, you've worked in a restaurant, you've done some other things, join clubs, all this kind of stuff, I think that's really more important than, uh, than anything else. In your uh, experience here in Taiwan, is there enough focus uh, for, for Taiwanese people looking for jobs abroad or with multinational companies is there enough focus on extracurricular activities or is it sort of you know we always have this uh, sort of stereotype or generalizing that taiwanese just focus on on their academic credentials uh what have, what have you seen i i mean i don't want to you know you got to be very careful when you talk about some of these things mm -hmm. it can be quite culturally specific mm -hmm. um Education is important, and I've said that. Yeah. I want that on. I want that out there. <laughs> right, right, right. I've right. said education is very important. Um, having said that, I always look for, and I think everybody I've ever known who is trying to employ somebody always looks for the stuff beyond that. Yeah. You know, I have uh, you know, any number of, um, I mean, 
in, in, in the companies that I've worked for before, now in Taiwan generally, I've been in a lucky position to be the employer more than I've been the employed. And, you know, basically, in many companies I've worked for, uh, everyone's had a master's degree. Mm-hmm. Absolutely everyone from the, from the, you know, the personal assistant all the way through to the manager of whatever department. So what separates them after that? Right, right. You know, you've got to have the basic stuff. Great. Mm-hmm. Get the education. Learn something. But I, I really think you've got to, to get to that point where someone wants to employ you, I think you need to have more than just the education. Now, uh, these things that you're talking about, uh, you're, you're, you're mostly talking about uh, companies that are not locally based in Taiwan. Uh, would, would there be any difference between these values uh, for an international company as opposed to maybe some of these more local companies that uh, Taiwanese people are, are, are more familiar with? I, it's interesting you bring that up because I think if you're, if you're looking at work for, um, for local Taiwanese companies, it's almost that the opposite is true in some ways. You know, if, if, you're, if you're an international in Taiwan and you're looking for work in a Taiwanese company, you've got to make sure you've got a good education. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, literally, by law. I mean, for many jobs, you have to have at least uh, an undergraduate degree. You have to have these things. And I, I've worked for Taiwanese companies. I've worked for international companies. The Taiwanese companies that I worked for are most impressed by things like having worked for the University of Cambridge. Mm. Um, what they don't realize is I didn't actually get a degree from the University <laughs> yeah, of Cambridge. Just that word Cambridge on the degree helps a lot. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, they're looking, oh, okay, you've got a degree, you've got this, and, and then they're looking at experience. Whereas I think for international companies, they kind of like, they assume that you're decently educated, and then they're looking for what you've done. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, the, you know, if we're talking the difference between international companies and maybe local companies and how they look at hiring people. You know, if you look at local companies, I think they hire consultants generally from universities who are professors or, you know, they really respect the degree. They respect the and, – and that's to be respected. It's a, it's a lot of work to get there. Let me ask then, and uh, I, maybe we're splitting hairs here on, on all of this, but now – Is that a hair joke? <laughs> <laughs> Because those who know me know I don't have much of it. <laughs> He's kind of lording that big uh, yeah, luscious right. locks over you that's right why now. I'm shaking my head. I heard him the other day the telling place. me how his hair used to be down to his ankles or something. Yeah, it well, like, it's not that far right now. Anyway. Yeah. Um, and again, splitting atoms, maybe. Um, but what about multinational companies in Taiwan? Do they uh, sort of intrinsically hold the values you're talking about a local Taiwanese company, or do they adopt the sort of uh, international focus that uh, that you know their international counterparts would have, or their their mother, their parent companies might have. That's an interesting question, actually. It's Thank a really you. good question. Next, no. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, I think with the international companies, I think in any country, in any place, have what I like to call kind of protocol shift. You know, there's a there's a there's a change. You have to adapt certain kind of local cultures. Because you are, I mean, basically you're 95% of your employees are local, um, you're working locally, but you have international procedures. So, I mean, if you're going to be employed by, and, and if we're getting to the advice for local Taiwanese looking for work in international companies, you've got to be prepared for the fact that there may be two or three or four interviews to mm. get that job right. that you really want. Right. You've got to be prepared for the fact that they might have four people in an interview room waiting for you. Yeah. You know, you've got to be prepared for the fact that they might give you a test. 
Well, th- th- this is interesting to bring this up because I'm willing to bet that this has probably intimidated a lot of people. I would guess here in Taiwan where they're maybe not used to that. They're maybe more used to something a little more informal in terms of interviews. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling something out of the air here. But uh, maybe they're used to informal interviews or interviews with sort of somebody they know because of, you know, uh, um, some sort of connection to the company or something like that. But but yeah, you're right. Sitting in front of a committee of people having an interview is an entirely different thing. Absolutely, 100% different. And and that's kind of where we get into this experience of uh, of dealing with people. You know, this sort of uh, committees and joining things and being involved in stuff. So that you're used to it. You're ready for you know uh, being in a room with a bunch of people. Yeah. You know, attending a reception of some kind or you know, yeah. I've even seen international companies where the first thing they do is they take someone out for lunch. Yeah. With the team. But then the interview starts. Yeah, ju- yeah, just yeah. to see how the the, the social interaction. Ah, that'll right? put you at ease. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty comfortable. All right. Well, listen, guys, we got to take a break. Uh, if we can, we'll be back uh, in a moment. We're speaking with Steve Parker, who's the executive director of the British Chamber of Commerce. We're talking about working internationally, working for multinational companies and the like. Stay with us. It's the morning show with Terry on ICRT. I listen to it with my friends, my coworkers, everywhere, all the time. ICRT. They play a little bit of everything. Where you'll hear all your favorites. They play all the music. I like everything. Everything. All right, so coming into the second half, we are continuing our conversation with uh, Stephen Parker. Once again, he is the executive director of the British Chamber of Commerce in Taipei. And uh, as somebody who has been on both sides of the interview desk, we're just, he's dropping some pearls of wins- wisdom this morning. Also teaching us how to pronounce wisdom. Uh, <laughs> just coming back from what we were talking about there, we kind of just ended there talking about how to uh, maybe prepare for, maybe somebody who is uh, a Taiwanese to prepare for an interview or things to think about when approaching a multinational company. So let's just kind of uh, uh, continue with that. Some things, other things that maybe uh, um, uh, they might want to think about. Maybe you've got a couple of stories as far as uh, things people need to, to think about when they go for an interview. I mean, there's a lot of things you got to think about during an interview, for sure. But, I mean, what really kind of comes to mind is some of the horror cases. Okay. If that's, uh, you know, yeah, I, yeah. Can, I, are we, are we, can we share? Please do. Please do. <laughs> this is a safe space. This is a safe space. <laughs> Nobody's listening. You know, there's someone very close to me said, before I come on today, don't talk about anything controversial, Steve, because you're going to upset somebody. You Perfect. always upset somebody. I do it every somebody. morning. Don't worry about that's it. That's your job. My <laughs> job is to be nice. <laughs> the, uh, but... For me, there's some basic kind of stuff. And I, I, I remember one particular interview who came in, and I, I work for the British Chamber of Commerce, mm-hmm. right? Obviously, Britain is, I mean, my accent is slightly Australian, but I have a British passport. Britain is important to me. I think it's a great place. And I work for the British Chamber of Commerce. So, of course, you know, my job is to promote Britain. And uh, interviewer, interviewee, sorry, came in for the interview. And as we did, you know, had a mon- bunch of questions that we asked about certain things. And one of the questions I like to ask is, so... When I talk about Britain to you, what's the first thing that comes to mind? And the person responded to me, oh, I went to London once. So boring. (laughs) (laughs) You mean mean kind of like uh, it it would also not be good if you went uh, something like uh, I did this morning. You know, football is so boring. It's just like (laughs) the worst sport ever. By the way, we're nil-nil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) We're still nil-nil. It's going to be nil-nil by the end. But, <laughs> but it was a great game. I love football, by the way. I do. I yeah. love football. I, Soccer, you, as you You're requi- required by your job to say so, I know. But let, let, <laughs> <laughs> just come back to the interview, interviewee, though. Um, 
this person couldn't understand why I literally mm. said to them, the interview's over. I just said, the interview's over. You can go now. And I, what, what, what do you mean? Do you, do you, what, you haven't been through my resume yet. Mm-hmm. I said, I don't need to. I said, you failed. Yeah. And it took yeah, exactly like that. There was dead silence. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, that, I mean, that to me, is, that's just a, you know, think about what you're going for. Think about the job you're going. I mean, I remember as a kid, I went for a job in a, it was a, can I say gay on the radio? I went for a job on the radio, a uh, job on the radio. I went for a, a job in a, a well-known gay pub where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And I walked in. And I said, do you have any work going? I'm looking for work in pubs. And they said, do you have a specific interest in working in this place? Obviously asking me if I was open to working in a gay pub. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, 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 I'm just looking for work anywhere. Yeah, right. And the guy said, you can leave now. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, you've got to be interested or involved in the, in the organization, you know, the that di- you're going for. The difference between just wanting a job and wanting to get involved uh, right. as a career or uh, not even necessarily a career, but just getting involved in what you're going to be spending a lot of time doing. Well, exactly. You know, and at least, you know, I always figure in an interview that that's the best you're ever going to be. You know, if someone in an interview mm-hmm. comes off at all badly, that's a big red flag for me. I'm immediately like, hmm, wasn't comfortable with that person. Yeah, I guess the idea is in an interview, you're bringing your top stuff. So if your top stuff is not impressing right. somebody or you're not showing any enthusiasm at that point, you're certainly not going to after. Right. Exactly. Yeah, right. So if you're uh, going to work at, like, Hershey's, how, how would somebody need to uh, demonstrate an interest in Hershey's? Do they need to say that they love those candy bars? You know, uh, again, I think there's two things on this. One, you either say you've loved Hershey's since you were a kid and it's the best thing ever, or you say, you know, chocolate's not my thing, but here's how I could sell it or here's what I could do or here's what I believe that I could do. You know, you don't have to lie. I mean, don't lie to me. I'm not going to, you know, I don't want, you know. <laughs> There's a lot of different companies, a lot of different things. You can't love everything. Yeah. You know, but if you're going to work for somebody, be honest about the reasons you want to work for that company. Mm. Let's go to the interview you're talking about then. Mm. And uh, this uh, this uh, guy or gal that, you know, sort of said uh, London was boring. And Should they I give you the so. name and the phone number? <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. But what I am saying is, how, how could they have framed that to you that, you, that, that would have changed? Because you're right. You don't want anybody to lie. You don't want them to walk in and go, oh, I love London so much. What'd you love about it? Well, Fingers uh, and match. Yeah, you, you know what I mean? So, so how, could, good, how could they have framed that, that 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 would have kind of impressed you? You know, I, I would have kind of come into it maybe with a, you know, my first impression of London wasn't that good. But since I've been researching for this position, right, I've realized that it's more than just my experience that I had the first time out. I, the first time I went to London, I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Then I went back again three years later, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely loved it. Now, what would have changed? Well, stuff had changed. Who knows? But the point is that sometimes your first impressions can be wrong. Right. This person should have come at that. If they were going to be honest at all about this, one, don't tell me. <laughs> just, <laughs> just don't tell me you hated it. Or two, um, if you say, well, my first impression wasn't that great, but, you know, I've been doing some research and now I'm really finding things and I'm looking forward to learning more about it and, you know, just kind of come out and be positive about it. Right. Let me, let me just jump in again with another interview type of question that we hear all the time. And do we actually hear this all the time or is it a bit of a fallacy? And, and B part, maybe, how do we answer it? This question about 
you know, what are your weaknesses, your strengths and weaknesses? How, how, how am I supposed to answer this? I once was asked, this is a question that probably made me not get the thing, is I was asked, uh, what would your best friend say about you and what would your worst enemy say about uh, you? Yeah, yeah. And I was like 20, 19 at the time. I didn't have any enemies. Like, yeah, who yeah, has yeah. an enemy when you're yeah, 19? I'll add, trust me, you the, do. The worst question <laughs> I ever got asked in an interview was, um, if you were a fruit, which fruit would you be? I stood up and walked out, and I go, I don't think I need this job. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I did want the job, but I'm not going to answer a question like that. That's, that's ridiculous. But or, this, or is this it? A very quick point, though, because what you just brought up actually is, I think, a very good piece of advice. Because most people going for an interview think they are being interviewed. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's two people interviewing each other. Right. You know, you're deciding whether you want to work for the person or people across the across the table from you. Right. That's how I treat every interview. I treat it like a conversation, like I'm just meeting somebody. Right. If you walk in feeling like this person, oh, they hold my life in their hands. You're, you're, you're I was going to say a word that I'm not allowed to say on radio. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, you just can't do well, that. that. That's probably uh, that, that's probably the best advice you could give for an interview is is exactly that. Just thinking about it, which is, yeah, don't if you go into it intimidated. Right. Uh, you're going to be intimidated, and it's all no matter right. what the question is, it's going right. to be intimidating. Right? Do I want to work for this person? Yeah, because you know, let's face it not every not every manager, not every person who's going to employ is going to be the best employer for you. Can we um, can we just get j- just a very quick shot of advice here? Uh, just because I, I thought have, I was just giving you advice. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, uh, what I mean is in this next mm. little bit of advice. Let's not harp on it too long. Just give us a a quick little shot. Um, because I've been in a position where I've had to get resumes from, from people as well uh, here in Taiwan. And i got to tell you that the resume skills here in Taiwan are really left are really terrible. I just, just helped I'm, a buddy write one, actually. I'm just going to go ahead and mm-hmm. say that right now, that, that the, the way they approach their resume is, is, is wrong. Um, is there anything that you can kind for for a multinational company, maybe for right. Taiwanese or, or 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 Taiwanese companies, local companies, or for a coffee shop or something? Maybe it's something different. But here today, we're talking about working for a multinational company. Uh, a quick couple shots of advice. Yeah, you know, don't write something that says I come from a simple family in Taichung. Exactly. Right? <laughs> exactly. You get you get a lot of that. You get a lot, it's almost like an autobiography. It's, yeah, I I hate I, you know. The secret to me, and I, I tell the people when, uh, when they're writing emails or following up things as well, you know, with people. Basically now, I mean, I get like 400 emails a day. How do you sort through that stuff? Just give me the – think about it on a, on a smartphone and what could fit on the smartphone. It, that's all you've got time for. Someone's going to read that bit. Yeah, right. You know, and your CV – I tell everybody, I said, even if all the stuff at the back, you fill in some details, first page, just say, you know, 10 years of this, three years of this – Two years of that, my education, this. Bullet done. point it right at the beginning. Right in the front. Because, you know, as I said to you before, I'm getting maybe 60, 70 CVs for, uh, for a job. And, uh, you know, you've got to sort through them. You look at the front page and go, hmm. <laughs> and then it kind of like goes in the rubbish bin or it goes yeah. in the, you know. Yeah, right. So, yeah, short and sweet. And, and you can put some stuff at the back. You know, you can fill it in if you want to. But 
multinational companies don't care whether you come from a nice family in Taichung with four brothers and two sisters. Yeah, you know exactly. Yeah, exactly. I've seen those CVs, and I, I blame I blame English teachers in the eighties or something because somebody taught people how to write CVs way back when, and I don't think those people had ever had jobs before. <laughs> what if, What if they try to spin it though? Like, uh, well, I was helping a friend just this week write his CV, and he actually had. A- you made this up, didn't you, Keith? You wrote four. <laughs> I tried to help him with that. No, here's how I tried to help him. So he he wrote this thing about how he's been working in his parents' shop this whole time. I tried to spin it as uh, I, I have faced, uh, you know, these difficult workplace uh, situations since a young age, and I've learned to cope with them, and here's what I've gotten from that experience. Is that enough, or should you just not touch on it at all? See, to me, I think that's, if you get to the interview, that's what you talk about in an interview. Yeah. You know, that's when you kind of have a chance to show personality and show what you've done. A CV, someone just wants to see, here's the cry. Just, you know, I said at the beginning, I think I remember, you know, look at the job. Look at what you can do and then match them up. Right. You know, even if it's like if I would be really impressed with someone who said, well, you're looking for strategic management skills. I play online games and here's, you know, it's connected to that because I have to manage 14 different tribes <laughs> you know? yeah. or whatever. But just match what you've done. To, whatever it is yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to, to the to the job but requirements. Show that you've or, at least read the advert or the job requirement or the you know, job or description. Yeah. yeah. If we can switch gears totally here, uh, because this is something We're back that, on soccer now. That, yeah, yeah, and how boring it is. Um, I love soccer officially. We part part of the thing, part of what we wanted to talk about here today, uh, was not just how Taiwanese can get involved in a multinational company here in Taiwan or uh, abroad, but also um, that there is a fairly large expat community that lives here, and a lot of people. And a lot of expats that come here get introduced um, either through traveling or maybe uh, through you know work and travel at a young age, just after university or something like that. And they come here to Taiwan and they realize, geez, I love this place. I really love this place. And uh, I've come here to uh, either teach English or or work, um, you know, maybe as a, a sales rep for Asia or something like that. And they get here, they love the place, and they go, geez, I want to stay here. But you know what? You know, I have a degree in in you know whatever thermodynamics. Stuff. Yeah, thermodynamics or whatever, English. and I'm teaching English. How can I, you know, move on from that? Are there other jobs available to me? How do I go about finding where those jobs are? What companies need people? How do I meet those people? What skills do I need to add to my uh, to my repertoire? How can an expat that has uh, decided to put his roots here in Taiwan kind of move past the stereotypical job that an expat has? That's a that's a very big question. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, the book will be coming out uh, in <laughs> in three weeks. So anybody who'd like, no, uh, the ebook actually. It'll have a preface from Terry. Yes, yeah. the preface from Terry. Um, this has got to be broken down in a few different parts, mm-hmm. I think, because you've got. I think initially you've got. What do you? I mean, if you're going to live in a country, forget about being in Taiwan or forget about being anywhere. If you want to live and prosper in a country. You know, I my biggest advice. It sounds obvious, but you know, you got to learn how to speak local language, mm. right? I mean, if you're working in an office, I get it. If you're here for two or three years and you're the CEO of a company, you know, fine. People have to match you. I mean, the company speaks English or whatever. But if you're going to be local um, and get local jobs or work in local companies, you've got to be able to speak Chinese, um, at least Mandarin, the very least. That's my first bit. The second thing is uh, if you want to get jobs. Locally here, you've got to network locally. 
You know, and I know that sounds kind of obvious, but, mm-hmm. you know, I think for some of the international community, it becomes easy. Taiwan's an easy place to live. There are places where, you know, the international crowd kind of hangs out. You've got your international friends. You share a language. You share some culture. It's great. But if you want to get into the local companies and stuff like that, you know, I think Taiwanese, like most people, but maybe even more, I think Taiwanese value uh, this sense of you belonging to Taiwan. Now, if you have a local partner, okay, that's one thing in your favor. If you speak local language, that's another thing in your favor. But if you've been to places around Taiwan that they understand and can share, if they've met you at things like, I don't know, a local rotary club or a a local chamber of commerce or something, and we know they're not always the most fun things to do, not every time, you know, but you got to get involved with the local community in some way. Right. How are you going to meet people? You know, I, I, you know, my, I worked for a local company here for a while, and uh, the reason I got that job is because about twelve years ago, I uh, I offered a place at my table to the guy who eventually became my boss. Right. You know, I saw him walking around, and I said, "Hey, we got a couple of spare spots. Why don't you sit here?" And I didn't know he had a, you know, was a <laughs> owned half of Taiwan or whatever it is, but you know, yeah. I, and so I think you just got to be, uh, you got to put yourself out there and you got to be, you got to be local. I mean, you can't be local because you're not, but you got to enjoy being part of it. Now the saying to, to put yourself out there is, is pretty, uh, is obvious advice sort of, and a little vague. If, if we could maybe just. I've never just, been accused of being vague before. <laughs> if we can maybe just even narrow it down there to, and, and, and you'd be the guy to really kind of talk towards these things, some real specifics as to what people can do and where they can get involved. I mean, I know you mentioned mm-hmm. chambers of commerce and, and, and rotary clubs or things like this. Are there any things like this? Is it worth spending time on the internet? Is it worth, you know, or, or you know, are there websites to go to? Or like, I, I, you probably know more about specifics than that. Uh, should I take up golf? Should I give us, give us a few specifics for the expats that may be listening and are thinking, geez, yeah, of course I want to put myself out there, but I don't even know sort of what that means in Taiwan. Sure. I, I mean, for me, really what it involved was getting involved in things. Now, the specifics, I think, can be a little bit different. But for me, it's very, I love golf. I play golf. So I join some golf societies. I don't just play with the international groups. I've joined some local groups, you know? Right. If you love badminton, if you love football, if you love whatever it is, then try and join local clubs. If you like bike riding, you know, there are lots of local bike riding clubs where people, you know, they go up Yang Minshan or they do whatever, you know? Yeah. So join. And, uh, okay, if you struggle a little bit with the language, fine. Taiwanese are really nice. So yeah. They'll kind of- if I can throw in just a quick anecdote for myself, uh, living in, when I lived in Kaohsiung as well, being a musician, the first thing I did was join a, a band, uh, you know, with all Taiwanese guys in it. You know what I mean? And, and, and my, my sort of friendship circle grew from that. So if, right. if I can throw did in my own- Did that grow into the radio job? Um, no, it didn't. But it did prove that he's cooler than I am, because I played golf. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, guys, let's hold on right there. We've got to take ourselves another break here. Uh, we're talking to Steve Parker, Executive Director of the BCCT, the British Chamber of Commerce, here in Taipei or Taiwan? Taipei. Taipei. Yeah, right. Okay. Uh, we'll be back in just a moment, right after a short break. It's the Morning Show with Terry on ICRT. We're ICRT. World-class radio in Taiwan.
1044 in the morning, we return here. And um, just to kind of put all of what we've been talking about into practice a little bit with uh, with Steve and uh, the help of Keith here, what we're going to do and what we've uh, set up here is a little bit of a mock interview for uh, those who are listening. Now, this could be useful for um, somebody who's Taiwanese who's looking for um, work with a multinational company. This could also be for use with an expat, which Keith is going to be playing the part of. He's, he's pretty good at it, playing an expat here. Uh, interviewing with a multinational company. And we're going to kind of put this into uh, a practice here and a little practicum, if you will. Uh, Keith is going to be playing the part of... Um, my former English teacher self. His former English teacher self. And Steve will be playing the part of... Of an international Laoban. Of an international Laoban. Okay, so I'm just going to kind of three, two, one, action it. And uh, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. A little bit of a, you know, what we've been talking about in practice in a, a job interview. Action. Okay. Uh, Keith, is it? Yep, yeah, yeah. Welcome. Glad you could come. Um, maybe if we could just start the interview off with you basically giving me... Uh, in your own words, tell me a little bit about yourself. All righty. Well, uh, I think a lot of people uh, would uh, say that I'm an English teacher, but uh, I, honestly, I, I would prefer to describe myself as a, an educator uh, who focuses primarily on business English. Uh, I work a lot with uh, young entrepreneurs, uh, mostly between the 10 and 11-year-old range. Uh, and uh, But really, when I came to Taiwan, it was uh, to pursue... Uh, so, Keith, if I could just interrupt for a moment. Yeah. Um, basically, uh, for the international sales rep position that yes. we're looking for, how do you feel that your experience connects directly to that? Right. Uh, international sales. Well, uh, I do work very well with other people. I have a strong delegation ability, I would say. And uh, I demonstrated that in this job uh, when I worked with my colleague, uh, the, the teacher assistant. I would say that 95% of my work I delegated to them. They okay. handled almost everything in the classroom. For the, the kids crying, the kids yelling, the, the discipline, the food. Sure. I delegated it all. And, and, and what did you do? <laughs> uh, well, uh, the, the, the uh, education... Uh, was mostly my response. I, I spoke English. I spoke okay. English. I Good. spoke a lot of English. As an international sales rep, English will be part of your job requirement. Oh, good. Which is good. You have uh, ticked one box there. But how? if you talk about successes that you've had uh, in your work experience, Keith. Well, uh, I have certainly shown uh, the ability to work cool under pressure. Uh, in, uh, in a lot of instances, I would point to uh, one time in particular uh, where... The inspectors came to my class, and I. Uh, this was not only a cool under pressure kind of situation, it was a problem solving situation. Uh, because usually I jump out the window in those situations, but in this particular time, the window was blocked, and so instead I jumped into the closet. And so I just, like that, I figured it out, and the inspector never found me. Uh, yeah, this is probably the point where I would be uh, <laughs> saying it's been really nice and uh... exactly now 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 what we're what we're kind of illustrating here is maybe the what not to do not how to approach uh, an interview. Uh, you uh, know, of course, I've got a really quick one on this because I remember years ago when I was about twenty and I was going for a job in a in a library and it was basically kids storytelling. Mm -hmm. And uh, and they said to me, you know, I was working at the time, I was working at 7-Eleven, you know, overnights, and I wanted a better job during the day. And they, they said to me, uh, you know, so what's, uh, what's the most difficult thing you've ever had to deal with? And I said, well, I had to stop a knife fight. <laughs> 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 and uh, they looked at me and said, uh, the interview is over. Yeah. <laughs> but you, now, now, is that not a skill that people would want? That, 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 that shows great kind of diplomatic... I uh, felt if the kids had gone into a knife fight at storytelling... <laughs> <laughs> You're the guy. I could have stopped him. You're the guy. 
Excellent. Well, listen, Steve, uh, we, we have kind of run out of time. This is uh, a great topic that we could probably spend uh, a lot more talking on. Um, I'm, I'm quite sure that uh, there's a lot of material that uh, can be taken away from today's from today's talk. Uh, maybe we can come back and kind of extrapolate on that and talk about um, uh, a sort of part B of this in the future, meaning actually working with multinational companies, not just trying to find jobs in that. Uh, so maybe that's that can be part B in the future. But uh, thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, Only if we made it past the interview and you want to continue this yeah, yeah, relationship. Yeah, no. yeah that's right. Yeah, I, I feel like now we're being judged. And, well, uh, I do have 75 other radio stations to interview. <laughs> Excellent. Well, listen, thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks, and, guys. Uh, really appreciate it. Thanks, Terry. Here. Thanks, Keith. Yeah, no problem. And uh, we'll return uh, next week. Um, most Wednesdays we're doing this, Keith. Uh, extended interviews. Uh, just for people who have uh, just kind of tuned in, tell them a little bit about uh, what these extended interviews are, just to uh, recap all this. Well, we find some uh, neat people in the community that have some cool stuff going on, and uh, we bring them on the air, and we just chat with them a bit. It's not too structured. It's not too formal. We just uh, want to hear what they have to say. Yeah, exactly. Good stuff. Thanks, Keith. Thanks, Steve. We'll continue. I'll be back with your themed request theme in uh, just a few minutes is hot chocolate in the meantime everyone's a winner baby here on icrt fm 100 all right sorry to cut off hot chocolate there but that was all the interview we have for today but we'll be bringing you more of these live on air bits just about every week you can hear them live wednesday mornings at 10 a.m or catch them on Taiwan Talks podcast stream. And if you're listening through iTunes, please do take a sec to rate and review the show. Really does help us get the word out there. And that's it for today for Taiwan Talk and the morning show with Terry Ingle. I'm Keith Manconi. Thanks for listening.